train your heart like a protector. How do you train in a way that not only makes you more effective at protecting yourself, but it also helps you to develop a better, more joyful life? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Peace Walker Podcast. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker Podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level. You are on the Peace Walker Podcast. My name is Craig Gray. I am your host, and you are on episode number 108. We're talking about how to train your heart like a protector. Before I get into that, I wanted to invite you into my free home study course. It's called the Six Day Defense. So if you go to the sixdaydefense.com, it's all spelled out except for the dot. That's sixdaydefense.com. You're going to get access to a free home study course that is going to take you step by step through the foundations of learning how to protect yourself more effectively. We're going to go over a concept and a very simple defensive tactic of the skills of learning how to be a tough target, how to be able to survive a situation if it were to happen, and how to defend yourself better. As well as that program, that you're going to get access to, you also get free access to my almost daily emails where I share stories from my own life and stories from other people in our community on how to implement these tools and these skills and this perspective of being a peace walker and protecting yourself, how to implement these things in your real day-to-day life. Because let's face it, if you can't implement these things and weave them into your everyday life, how good are they really going to be for you? Answer is not very. So get on sixdaydefense.com. It's all spelled out except for the dot at sixdaydefense.com and get free access to my home study course and those almost daily emails. All right. So we're talking about training your heart like a protector. It's part four of a four-part series. That started off with training your body like a soldier, train your your mind like a general, your mouth like a diplomat, and today, your heart like a protector. You know, I'm not a religious guy. However, Jesus said, love your enemies. So what part of your enemies are you supposed to love? Are you supposed to love the killing, raping, pillaging, violence portion of them? No, I don't think so. I think what he meant is that you're supposed to love the life value inside of them. Their human life value inside of them. That's the part that you're supposed to love. He didn't say you weren't going to have enemies. He said love them. And I think that's the part of them that you're supposed to love. So when you're talking about training your heart like a protector, you have to have the capacity to separate someone's value as a human being from their behaviors. You may have to deal with their behaviors, but if you can find it within yourself 
to show respect and give dignity to their value as a human being, as a person, you're going to find it a lot easier, or simpler anyways, to determine what to do, so to choose your strategies and tactics, and also have less regrets, which can help you avoid PTSD, burnout, or just waking up in the morning thinking you did the wrong thing. So this idea of training your heart like a protector is train in a way that makes you less violent overall. Now granted, we have to embrace our violence in order to learn how to protect ourselves from other people. But what you want to make sure that you're not doing is turning into the thug that you're trying to protect yourself from. You should be training in a way that makes you a better person. You should be training in a way that makes you more joyful, lighter, larger than life. Training in a happy way that makes you just a better person. One of my mentors, Jack Hoban, had a mentor. His name was Dr. Robert Humphrey. You, you've, ta- you've heard me talk about these guys before. But if you remember, Humphrey had a warrior's creed that he lived by. Uh, Dr. Humphrey was a, a Marine on Iwo Jima in World War II. He was a rifle platoon commander. And uh, after he got out of the war, he wanted to know why mankind was hell-bent on killing itself. So he went and got his law degree from Harvard. And then that didn't answer his question, so he went back to school to the Fletcher School of Diplomacy to get his eh, equivalent of his PhD, I think it was a JD, on cross-cultural conflict management. And then he worked for MIT for a while, then he worked for the State Department for 30-some-odd years on managing conflict. Well, he lived by a creed, and that creed was the Protector's Creed, or the Warrior's Creed, that he called it. You've heard me say it before, but here it is again. Wherever you walk, everyone's a little bit safer because you're there. Wherever you go, anyone in need has a friend. Whenever you return home, everyone is glad that you're there. He thought that was a better life. And it's been a better life for me as well. It's hard holding to those three very simple guidelines. But it's well worth it. Because this idea of training your heart like a protector means that you can't train in a way that's going to harden your heart. You can't train in a way that's going to be harmful to you in the long run. That's going to make you more callous. That's going to turn you into the very thing that you're trying to protect yourself from. So training your heart like a protector is sometimes counterintuitive when you are training to protect yourself, meaning, you know, you're learning how to shoot, you're learning how to blow things up, you're learning how to do hand-to-hand combatives, you're learning how to basically do violence to people. But you have to remember on what it's for. It's not for the sake of the violence, it's for the sake of the protecting. There was an article that was written by Time Life magazine way back in the day, and interviewed a soldier that was part of the uh, D-Day 
deployment back in World War II. And the reporter asked the soldier, how did you survive that? How did you manage all the emotions that you were feeling during that time? It must have been horrible. You're seeing carnage all around you, your comrades in arms being killed, you're having to kill. It's horrific. And it went on and on and on. How did you mentally and emotionally survive it? And they simply said, when I looked down the barrel of my gun, I didn't see the people that I was killing. What I saw was the people that I was saving. He saw himself as a protector. And that probably saved his life later right from PTSD which back then they didn't really know what PTSD was it was called shell shock but Humphrey had a similar story so during World War II as I said Humphrey was on the island of Iwo Jima and if you remember what Iwo Jima was it was a small island far off the coast of Japan and it was a, a very strategic island that both we and the Japanese were fighting to occupy. And the Japanese were entrenched in that island, and we sent, I don't know, maybe 20,000 Marines over to take the island. And uh, maybe more, I, I don't recall exactly. But there's, um, you know the picture where the Marines are hoisting the flag on Mount Saribachi? Well, that's Iwo Jima. They've got stamps on it. It's a very, very famous picture. But um, Humphrey's unit, I believe, was the unit that was securing that position when the cameraman took that uh, picture of those Marines hoisting that flag. But uh, Humphrey, I believe, was the fourth rifle platoon, platoon commander in, his, in that platoon because the other three had died. They'd been killed. And by the end of the... Engagement. I think there were only nine nine soldiers left of his platoon out of probably forty. So a lot of people died in that campaign. Humphrey himself got shot and sent home. And um, but during that campaign, there was some people tried to uh, surrender, and. Most didn't. It was, so it was very unusual on both sides because, um, you know, both sides were killing killing one another by every means possible. And uh, so there wasn't a lot of surrendering. And oftentimes the surrendering wasn't really honored. So they would just kill the person anyways on both sides. Because back then it wasn't uncommon for the Japanese to fake a surrender. And then they would, when the Marines came to you know, to apprehend the individual who was surrendering, that uh, soldier would have a hidden hand grenade and he would take out a bunch of soldiers, uh, you know, kind of like a suicide attack. So if you think suicide attacks are something new, well, think again, that, uh, that is not new. But anyways, so there was a situation in a cave to where there was a Japanese prisoner or Japanese soldier that was put up the white flag and he was surrendering and Humphrey saw it and so did one of his guys in his unit and you know it was very suspicious because they knew what a lot of these Japanese were doing were blowing themselves up when you went up to them 
So one of Humphrey's guys was just going to shoot him. And Humphrey said, stand down, don't, don't shoot. We're going to take that prisoner, take him as a prisoner, so don't shoot him. So the soldier pointed the weapon at Humphrey then, his own guy, right? He said, basically, you know, no, you're crazy. I'm going to shoot this guy. He's going to blow us up. So Humphrey said, no, stand down. You're not going to shoot that guy. But the soldier wouldn't stand down. So Humphrey took out his pistol and he pointed at the soldier and he said, I said, stand down. And then the soldier pointed his rifle at Humphrey and said, no. But as the story goes, cool heads did prevail. And they sorted it out and they did end up taking that young Japanese soldier as a prisoner. And years later, actually Jack had uh, Humphrey speaking at a at an ethics um, conference, I think, at one of the universities. I'm not sure. One of the East Coast universities. Maybe Duke or something like that. I don't know. I don't even know if Duke's on the East Coast. But <laughs> sounds like that's the one. But one of these universities was having this big ethics discussion. And Humphrey is one of the speakers. And most of all, the other speakers were academics. So they said their thing. And, and um, Humphrey got up there and told stories about World War II and his stories about the Cold War and all this. And it just really captivated people. Well, at the end of Humphrey's speech, he asked if anyone had questions. And Jack, although Jack had been studying with Humphrey and kind of his protege for 17 odd years, Jack had a question and he raised his hand. He said, you know, you've done a lot of things in your life. You're a a boxer during the Great Depression. You were in World War II in Iwo Jima. You were you know, you've done all these crazy and great things. You know, you, you went to Harvard, uh, worked at MIT. So what, what do you think was your, the thing in life that you're the most proud of, your biggest accomplishment? And Humphrey said, well, Jack, I think my proudest moment was saving that young soldier's life when he surrendered. Remember that story of the Japanese prisoner that I told you, which is the one that I just told you guys? Well, you know, before that, we were killing each other in every way conceivable to man. And then, you know, after that, we we didn't really think much of it, and we just went back to war. But in the moment when we had the choice to save a life, I did. And I believe that's really what saved my humanity after the war and during the war. You know, because there's a lot of guys who went through that conflict with me who struggled with PTSD afterwards. He said, and I never did. And I think that it may be because of that one time that I saved that young Japanese soldier's life. Because I didn't have to. I could have very easily killed him and nothing would have been said and we would have went on like nothing had happened. He said, but I think it was that act of saving that life when I could that really saved me. So 
So there's a little story for you about the heart of a protector, about having the heart of a protector. So in the middle of a war, Humphrey was killing like everybody else had to. But when he had the chance to save a life during the thick of the storm, he took that opportunity to protect the life. And he thought it really saved his humanity. So this idea of learning to embrace your violent nature that we all have inside of us and use it to not only protect ourselves and protect other people, but also to live a better life, to be more joyful, to embrace that part of our nature so we can, I don't know if tame it is the right word, but definitely so we can not have it own us, not have us have it lie to us, not have us not have it to where it inspires us to do things that we regret and that will pull us from that joyful happiness and that will pull us from that ethic of being um, a protector. And I have some personal stories too that I don't have time to share with you on this episode, but I'll probably share with you in the future of when I had those choices as well in different times of my life. So more on that later. But um, for now, make sure that your training is making you a better person and that you're protecting the right things, that you're training your heart as a protector because you want to live a good life. You want to be a good person. Most of the people that I know that are the baddest mofos out there are also the most loving. It's not just about being a tough guy. It's not just about being lethal and being dangerous. It's about protecting the right things. It's about protecting your heart and make sure that you have the heart of a protector so you don't forget what you're training to be a protector for. It's not just to out-thug the thug. It's how can I be a better protector to live a better life? I didn't train my whole life to be more violent. I train to be less violent so I can enjoy my life better. I train so I can deal with conflict more effectively so I can hopefully even protect that knucklehead because I'm better trained so I don't have to resort to a higher level of violence to do what I need to do. So I can even protect them if I can. Now there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it on this quote, and I'm going to slaughter the quote. <laughs> but Abraham Lincoln had a quote. You know, one way to eliminate an enemy is to make them your friend. And that's paraphrased, but you get the idea. If I can make my enemy my friend, I no longer have an enemy. And we can go back to my my first comment of this podcast which is love your enemies so if you can't make them a friend still love them you don't have to like them but love the value that they have as a human being love that even if you have to 
deal with their behavior, even if you have to hurt them and absolutely even if you have to kill them. It's one of the easiest ways of getting PTSD is not just being in a position of stress, you know, a situation that's stressful, not only being abandoned by your leaders or community, but also by dehumanizing the enemy, by dehumanizing the adversary. And that's tough to do. It's tough for me. It's tough for um, other people. It will be tough for you. But if you can keep that clear, it's going to be easier to navigate these conflicts in our lives. So there you have it. I can go on and on and on, but I think that's enough. Train your heart like a protector. So there you go, gang. Have a great day, whatever your day looks like. Keep going, and I'll see you on the next episode. Take care, folks. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level.